G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. We're going to be talking about conflict this hour, the sort of conflict that you might find yourself in the middle of. And how do you respond when you're in that conflict? In fact, uh, Ellen Ford, our guest this hour, and I were discussing the slogan that we often use for Vision Christian Radio, that is connecting faith to life. So when we talk about those connection points, your Christian faith, your life, sometimes you'll find that those connections are coming in a point of conflict. Well, you might have your own contribution this hour, 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open, uh, talking through conflict this hour. Ellen Ford, one of the founders of PeaceWise, welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back. Well, Ellen, uh, last time I uh, checked your website and uh, saw all of those wonderful things that are going on around the country with PeaceWise, well, my latest look at it just looks fabulous. Uh, you're obviously making inroads into so many centres, uh, PeaceWise taking off in a big way right around Australia. It is, Neil. We, we train all around Australia every year. And there's dedicated training events going on throughout the year as well. Okay, let me just uh, set this up for listeners because you're a barrister. Yes. And Don't you're hold into... it against me. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hold back all those lawyer jokes. Uh, but uh, as a barrister, you know what it's like when you get to court and you've got to resolve that conflict before a judge or before a magistrate. Uh, but people have conflict in their lives every day. People in churches have conflicts that they are dealing with from time to time. You want to be able to resolve those before you get to court. Absolutely, because there's many things that end up in court that could have been sorted out just sitting around and having a chat. It would have saved all that money and all of that emotional stress. And and you would have come out often with a, a an outcome that suited you and the person you're in conflict with. So we really encourage people to get together and mediate, talk about it, follow biblical principles when it comes to conflict. The way we tend to naturally respond to conflict, as you say, emotional stress, the things we say in the heat of the moment, uh, in the heat of the argument, hopefully before blows are being uh, thrust upon the, one another. Uh, but this uh, this way that we typically respond, it's like, you know, out of the emotions. Uh, this is something I guess you've got to learn to get under control. Absolutely. And, you know, when we come to conflict, there's usually two basic knee-jerk responses. We We either want to run away from it, which really hurts ourselves and puts the conflict underground, or we want to try to go the other way and attack and fight and get our own way, which always makes it worse and damages other people. So we try to encourage people to not go one way or the other, but to go God's way, which works 
every time. Okay, the sorts of conflicts that we might be talking about. And interestingly, this week is marriage week. So it's not so bad to actually mention uh, that conflict happens in marriage. And then, uh, you know, in the the most uh, uh, local context of marriage, there's the family conflicts that start from when our children are little and they continue through those teenage years. And, And in a lot of families, that continues right throughout the adult life of their own children. And we mentioned, too, those conflicts that happen in churches and uh, the ideal to be able to respond to some of those. So the elements of conflict, these are happening everywhere. And it happens every day because conflict is just a difference of opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. I mean, that happens to us every day. I mean, let me give you a common one. My husband and I have a difference of opinion uh, about the air conditioning. He loves it to be freezing cold. I like it to be off and the windows open, that beautiful, humid summer air coming in. So there's a difference. How do we deal with it? God's word actually gives us a, a roadmap for dealing with even little things like that. Just as you're saying that, I'm just imagining you throwing high heels at your husband and saying, you know, uh, my way with the air conditioner. <laughs> We've worked it out that we have half time. Half, okay. half of the time it's cold and half the time it's off and the windows are open. Okay. <laughs> and when it's too cold, you go and put a jumper on. That's right. In the middle of summer, I'm wearing a sweater. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, these are, these are, and that's a wonderful example because uh, there's a certain simplicity about that argument we can all appreciate. And then it gets into deeper stuff uh, where there can be wedges, just a, a thrust between two family members that you might hope would be lifelong loving family members and something happens. It drives a wedge between two people or between two sides of the family. You've got tribes taking sides. This is the sort of thing you have to be able to learn to resolve. And, you know, we find that misunderstandings give rise to so much conflict. And when you trace back the beginning of a conflict, it's often something that's completely misunderstood by by the parties. So we want to try to encourage people to sit down and talk about it or get a trusted friend to make it a safe conversation where you can find out whether your conflict has been fueled by a misunderstanding. But then sometimes there are conflicts where it's just a plain difference of opinion. But, you know, we can have a difference of opinion and do it lovingly without breaking relationship. Peacewise started, uh, as my memory serves me correct, uh, you were in the U.S., and, uh, peacemaker ministry started peacemaker ministries 30 in the United years States. ago. Yes. Uh, when you came back to Australia, there was yourself and uh, another lawyer or two. And you said, well, you know, we can make a difference. Uh, we-, we can do something that can help people to resolve their conflicts before court is, is the final action. Yes, that's right. It it started in America, a group of Christian lawyers over there more than 30 years ago. Uh, I heard that one of the founders speaking about it in 2000 and a group of Christian lawyers in Australia said, let's start something like Peacemakers for Australia. And so we started in 2007 here. And these days you spend your spare time traveling all around Australia and you're talking to churches and organizations and you're setting in place some foundations so that they can deal with their conflicts. Yes. How do you do that? It really pays to see that within Scripture there's actually a roadmap or a model or a framework step by step how you deal with conflict that takes the sting out of it and 
it really works. So we give training and then when conflict is so bad that they need a third party to step in and make it a safe environment to work things out, well, then we step in as mediators or coaches to try to help people respond to conflict in a biblical way. Okay, so there's this idea of uh, let's train people so that, A, you don't get into the conflict or at least you can easily find a model to resolve it. And then there's this secondary uh, advice, this secondary coaching that says, well, if you've got a conflict and you need someone uh, with some professional qualification to be able to help with the resolution of that, then you're on standby as well. Absolutely. We'll we'll journey with people through that, either one-on-one coaching so that if you had a conflict, Neil, I, I could talk to you about your conflict and give you some ideas, some things you might not be seeing, some blind spots, and then you would go away and with those new um, ideas and try to work it out one-on-one. But if that doesn't work, you might call me and say, look, come and sit in the room with me and my mate that we're in conflict with. Would you help us to have a safe conversation where we can try to sort this out? Well, our talkback line open and you can be a part of our conversation today. How can you contribute? Well, well, what do you think it looks like when you are connected, your faith to real-life issues. Uh, Sometimes you're going to discover that that is in an element of conflict. So how does your faith in Christ help you deal with conflict in your family, perhaps in your marriage, as we mentioned, perhaps it's at work, perhaps it's in your local church? Well, our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Ellen Ford is our guest. She's one of the founders of PeaceWise in Australia. Ellen, we were talking about connecting faith to life, and you've been reflecting on that, that slogan of recent times. I have, because, you know... The longest distance in the world is the distance between your head and your heart. And the devil believes that God exists, but he doesn't put that belief into action. And what uh, vision media is all about is connecting our faith to our life so that the way we live our life is informed by our faith and that it's not schizophrenic where we believe one thing and we do another. So I believe that when it comes to conflict, it's a real litmus test as to whether there is a a connection between your faith and your life. Are you putting what you know about God into action when it comes to responding to conflict? Because there is a sense, isn't there, that some people are with their faith. That's like an it's like an addendum. There's a, it's an additional thing that I do on a Sunday. But then uh, when I'm back at work on Monday and I'm in the middle of uh, all the havoc and the upheaval of the workplace and uh, having to deal with difficult customers and uh, and you know there's staff complaining and there's issues around the office, all that sort of stuff. This is this is it, it, it's different. Well, you see what happens. Life is hard. We get a blow suddenly out of the blue where someone says something insulting or hurtful and we can forget that God exists or we can think that God's forgotten us. So that's why we need this constant connection between our faith and our life so that our initial response is, oh, Romans 11.36, it talks about the fact that everything comes from God. Even this has been filtered through the loving hands of Christ and this hurtful comment has has fallen into my lap as a homework assignment from Christ. So I'm going to be brave and I'm going to respond in a loving way. Remembering that 
at that point in time is so important. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Talking about resolving conflict this hour and really that connecting point, faith to life. Our special guest is Ellen Ford, one of the founders of PeaceWise in Australia. PeaceWise.org.au is the address for the website for PeaceWise. Ellen, as we reflect on a conflict and uh, faith and connections to our lives, what does it look like when our faith is connected to our life? I think probably the best picture of what it looks like is that person asleep on a pillow in a boat where there were waves crashing over the boat and the boat was nearly sinking, but he was asleep. That's what it looks like when your faith is connected to your life. It means what you believe about God, that he loves you and that he is with you. It is transforming the way you behave and act and respond to life. So Christ in the boat is a picture to me of what it looks like when your faith is connected to life. A little bit like being in the eye of the cyclone uh, where things are calm, everything might be falling down around you, but you have this certain sense of peace. Because we know that God is in control. We know God is protecting us. We go. We know that God knows what's happening to us and he's told us how to respond, to respond in love. And so when someone hits us with a hurtful comment, a loving way to respond might be, well, help me understand why you say that? Have I done something to upset you that I've just been blind to? So that is a humble, loving way to respond. Whereas what I would want to do if I was in my fleshly response would be to hit back or to escape. So lashing out or running away from the problem is our, and it's perhaps not for everybody, but it's the typical way that we would respond if we didn't know there was a better way. That's right, and there is a better way, and that is to have a conversation, a loving conversation, and talk about it. Talk about your expectations and talk about what's happened because you'll often find that there's been a misunderstanding. We are taking calls, 1-800-316-316, talking about conflict this hour, talking about connecting faith to life. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome along to 2020. Yeah, good day, uh, brother Neil, and good day to your distinguished barrister you got there today. How are you? Hi, Steve. How are you going? Just great. I got a question that's quite fearsome for many people right around the country, and it involves two areas. One is workplace bullying, and the other is bullying in our school system for kids. And no doubt you must, as a barrister, see here and hear of many instances where kids are bullied, and it's been worrying, very worrying for parents when kids are bullied in school, and it's even led to suicides. It is a real problem. It is a dangerous and a deadly problem. It is a real problem. Second to only to violence against women. Yes. And how do mums and dads out there protect their kids in schools? How do ordinary workers in workplaces, when it, and it's rife in the workplace, Just have a look on the Sydney Morning Herald's website and type in bullying in the workplace. And as for the poor kids, how do mums and dads out there equip themselves to uh, stop bullying of their kids in high schools and 
even primary schools. It's it's a frightening. Steve, you're making some good points there. Uh, bullying, one of those early conflicts that we often find ourselves in when we're outside of our home. Even if you come from a home where home is like a sanctuary, uh, you find yourself uh, in other groups or in school and the bullying begins. You're in the middle of the conflict. Uh, exactly. Anyway, you, your thoughts, uh, Ellen Ford? Yes, the, the bullying is is becoming rife throughout our society. If only we'd all learn to treat others as we would like to be treated. But unfortunately, we forget that when there's something that we want that another person has or we want to make ourselves feel important by pushing other people down. And so for the for the victim, it it they need wisdom, they need protection, they need courage that I believe God can give them all of that when they pray for help as to what's a wise way to respond to this situation. Where is God in this? What can I do in trusting him with what's happening? Who should I speak to about this? Or is this something that I can just walk away and pray about? Every situation's different, Steve, isn't it? Uh, 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 well, I just horrific. You know, is there any legal things that, you know, where mums and dads out there listening to this call right now when when they... Now that they see a change in the kids' behaviour when they come home after school, what legal things can parents do to protect their kids? And what, you know, like how, how do you approach this most horrific and, you know, I rate it second only to violence against women. Yes. And my point of view is if we can make this, this country safe for women and children, might, maybe it might be safe for the fellas. Yes. As well. Yes. And I've come up against it myself. I guess uh, ultimately you get to a point, Len, where sometimes the legal avenue is the avenue that has to be chosen. And uh, and I know we're talking today about how you resolve things before you get to that point. But uh, but it, just a response to Steve about particular legal avenues that people might be able to pursue when it comes to issues of bullying and violence. I would be starting by listening to the child, Steve. If you've noticed that there's a change in your child, it's important to sit uh, with that child and and hear their story, help them to open up and tell you about what's going on. It's when they're not talking that it's a real worry because you don't know what you're dealing with. And if it's something that's happening at school, the first port of call is to go and speak to the, to the teacher or to the principal at the school and talk about the situation not let it go underground. And I can't give you legal advice today, but I can say that it's important to find out what's going on and go and talk to the to the person in charge of the school. Steve from Parks in New South Wales, thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. You know, I can't help thinking, Ellen, that we're talking today about the context that you find yourself in. And if you have a context that is God-less, you're leaving God out of your uh, your issues of uh, violence and issues of bullying, these issues of conflict that we're talking about, uh, then you are going to lash out and you are going to look for every way that you can actually get on top of the mountain and be the king of the castle uh, rather than uh, see the context of where God might have you understand where you are in the middle of that conflict. That's right. You know, often we want to play God and protect ourselves. And when we take things into our own hands, we often make things worse for ourselves. So sometimes we need to remember what what Paul says in Corinthians, where he says, 
When I'm weak, then I'm strong. When we've got nothing to prove because God's actually on our side and God's actually caring for us and we can have that quiet confidence. You know where it says in in the Psalms, in quietness and in confidence will be your strength. You don't need to be intimidated by people because you've got God on your side. You know what? I quote you every now and then, Alain Ford, because you said something. Oh, yeah. You said something uh, some time back, and uh, we've had quite a number of wonderful conversations. And uh, and uh, you said something that was so powerful, it has stayed with me. Because you said, how do you respond in any conflict the way that Jesus would respond in any conflict? That is just so powerful. And if nothing else comes to the fore today... That is a foundation that every listener can build upon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for reminding me of that, Neil. (laughs) You've got a good memory. I thought that was one of your standard lines. (laughs) Uh, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be part of our conversation today, taking calls, let's hear from Kim on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. Hello, Kim. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Kim. Are you with us, Kim? Hi. Hi. Kim, what are your thoughts or do you have a question? I think that bullying is something that we all go through. We've all bullied before and we've all been bullied. So I think it's very important to love thy neighbor as thyself, treat people as you want to be treated, and just for you to always know that you are beautiful. You know, we treat people the way we feel on the inside. So don't allow other people to get to you and just stay strong. Great thoughts, Kim. That You are so right. You are so right. Kim, wonderful to hear from you. Thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. This is an interesting and powerful perspective, isn't it, uh, Len, that that how we feel about ourselves is going to be important in the way we respond to the conflict. Because if we recognise that our identity is in Christ, uh, then his life is going to be showing forth in us a whole lot more than if our identity was somehow or other not in Christ and therefore blown around by every wind. Uh, what are your thoughts on on just knowing who you are? This uh... I was reading this the other day, which really, and I encourage you to put your name into it. It's Zephaniah three seventeen. I mean, how often do we go to the Old Testament? Not enough, probably. Put your name in instead of Zion. Cheer up, Alen. Don't be afraid, for the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. He is a mighty savior. He will rejoice over you with great gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will exult over you by singing a happy song. Isn't that, if when we remember that, I think it makes us feel loved and therefore it helps us to be loving. We are taking your calls, 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. We're talking about resolving conflicts the sort of conflict you'd want to resolve before it has to go to court. There have been a number of callers talking about bullying. I guess bullying is a part of many of the conflicts that we are a part of. Ellen Ford, who's one of the founders of PeaceWise in Australia, is with us. Ellen, if we were talking about a, a quick uh, few dot points, uh, the way to respond when you're in the middle of a conflict, uh, how do you sort of, you know, is there something we can easily remember, an easy few points that we can say these are the, the ways that we need to respond? I call it the four G's because there's four G's that are the four dot points for responding to conflict. The first one is to remember that this is an opportunity to glorify God. So that's the first G. 
Instead of focusing on our desires or what someone else has done or not done, let's look at the fact that this is an opportunity to bring glory to God by the way we respond to it or to help someone else who obviously needs some help living and carrying their burdens. And it's an opportunity to grow to be like Christ. So that's the first thing. Get our attitude to conflict right. It's not something to run away from. It's a homework assignment where we can learn and grow. The second dot point is to get the log out of our own eye. That's the second G, getting the log out. Because we're all blind and we can't see some blind spots in our in our hearts. And there's often things that we have done that we're not aware of to contribute to conflict. So get the log out. That's what Christ said. Before you complain about the sawdust in your brother's eye, get the log out of your own eye. The third dot point is the third G, which is to gently restore. That's to hold up a mirror to the other person and say, hey, you know when you did this, it really made me feel this. And so it's a loving way of helping a person see the impact of what they're doing because they might be blind to it as well. And then the fourth G is to go and be reconciled. And the most powerful way to reconcile is for there to be mutual confession and forgiveness. Well, it all sounds easy when you put down four (laughs) Gs. It's just when you've got to do it in practice that it actually gets a little bit harder. Uh, 1-800-316-316, talking about resolving conflicts. And our guest this hour, Elaine Ford from PeaceWise. Let's hear from Sue in Sydney. Hello, Sue. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, Sue. Oh, hello. Sue, what are your thoughts? Um, Well, I actually have a question. Um... My granddaughter is going through some bullying at school. She's only in primary school, uh, year five. And um, her friends who were her friends now have uh, turned on her and for some reason seem to be giving her a very hard time. Oh, dear. And now the brother of the little girl is giving her a hard time who is in a, an older class as well. Oh, dear. Um, my daughter's really very unsure of what's happening. My granddaughter doesn't seem to know why the um, friendship has turned that way. But um, she asked me whether she should ring the girl's parents. It's actually girls, so she knows the, the girl in, you know, that is causing the problem. And I seem to think that was quite a good idea, actually, to try and resolve it. But, um, you know, I'm really anxious to hear what you think. Sue, how old is your granddaughter? She's 11. So you would be able to talk to her. If you go onto the PeaceWise website, you can look for the peacemaking principles. They're on there in quite some detail. And, you know, because of the four Gs and other things, even young people can pick it up very easily. And what I would encourage before uh, your daughter rings the parents of this um, ex-friend of your granddaughter's, it might be good to encourage your granddaughter as to a redemptive way of approaching this girl who's now bullying her and giving her the courage to have a conversation with her and say, look, I, I, our relationship seems to have changed and I'm sad that we don't seem to be friends like we were. Can you help me understand, is there anything that I'm doing that's that's cheesing you off? And if they can just start talking, misunderstandings can be cleared up before parents need to get involved. So I'd always say, try that first, because that's what, that's what the Gospel of Matthew tells us in Matthew eighteen fifteen. 
just to go privately one-on-one if someone sinned against you and have a conversation. Yes, I see. I think she has done that to a degree, but she's a very quiet little girl. Um, I think she finds that quite hard. But, you know, if she has some tools like that, I think, um, yes, that definitely would help her. And, And perhaps telling her about the first G, how that conflict is actually something that provides opportunities for us to grow closer to Jesus, to mature. It And conflict can sometimes be more about what's going on for the other little girl. Like she might be really unhappy and so she's acting out. So if you tell your granddaughter that it that it is an opportunity for her to love this little girl, increase the dosage of love is often a great way to deal with conflict. And then to remind her that she will actually mature as a Christian as she is obedient to Christ and deals with this situation in a loving way. It's not easy, but you can encourage her to to know that God is with her, God knows, and God will give her wisdom as to words to use when she's talking to her friend. And Sue, uh, not that I'm uh, going to be the expert here as a counsellor, but as a father of four daughters, uh, (laughs) let me tell you that uh, we've been through the tween and into the teen years with all of them. And if I'm a male who is reflecting on what young girls are like, uh, young girls uh, in that age group, and particularly till they get up to those mid-teenage years, uh, they can change like the weather. And, uh, and we have always found with our daughters that when they've noticed that uh, their best friend yesterday is their worst enemy today, uh, that these things happen with young girls and sometimes the weather changes back the other way and that one who, uh, who was uh, your enemy today could be your best friend again tomorrow. And while there are those sorts of roller coaster ups and downs of emotions that happen in young girls, uh, it's a matter of holding tight and we have found uh, that always uh, just sowing into our own daughters' lives that there is a context, that this is the way that young girls naturally behave in those years. And, and, you know, some girls don't grow out of that, I'm sure. But but there is a certain context that as a parent or as a relative, you can start to sow into your daughter's life that says, this is the way people are. And if you leave it a little longer, perhaps that thing that was a point of contention or a point of conflict will actually correct itself. I do like that, uh, Neil, that if we face things courageously and quietly and calmly and she keeps that loving manner about her, it could all blow over. I absolutely agree. Yes. Well, Sue, just wonderful to hear you, uh, your uh, question, and uh, just to have you contributing today on 2020. Really appreciate that, Sue from Sydney. Uh, our special guest this hour is Ellen Fords. Our talkback line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. We're talking about conflict. We're talking about the way you respond to conflict. Uh, you might like to contribute to our conversation. What do you think it looks like when your faith is connected to life? Sometimes it's in the middle of conflict. And we've been talking about uh, bullying issues and uh, some of our, our callers have been talking about those teenage issues, but this bullying carries on into our adult years often. And this is where uh, when you've got the resources uh, to take those things to a new level and uh, administrative tribunals and courts and all sorts of ways that people can uh, can use those as weapons. You want to be able to nip those in the bud before you get to court. Uh, this goes into our adult years, doesn't it, Ellen? And it's a, it's a real great tragedy because so many cases go to court 
when they could be dealt with out of court and save all that money and all of that angst. And, you know, relationships usually never recover after there's been court proceedings. So it's a last resort. You know, that's so important, isn't it? Because uh, the thing that will be remembered uh, is not so much the conflict, but the thing that will be remembered is that you went to court and you were attacking me in court. Uh, this whole uh, issue with court, it's not just the dollars uh, for the lawyer and the expense of going through all of that. It's a lifelong memory you're creating if you go to court. And a lifelong relationship that could be busted and broken, which is just a tragedy. And not even the relationship between two people, but between two families, yes, uh, two sides of every yes. family. Uh, you want to resolve that quickly. Sometimes in the workplace, uh, where it's not family uh, conflict that you're resolving or you're in the middle of, uh, sometimes in the workplace, uh, some workplaces have their own uh, ways that they resolve conflict, uh, the way that they can refer up to the next level of management. I guess sometimes using a manager in a workplace dispute is going to be useful. Yes, but as I was saying to Sue, it's always important to go to the person privately and try to sort it out. Just like Matthew eighteen fifteen says, if your brother sins against you, go just between the two of you and try to sort it out. That's always the best way to start. But if you can't have a conversation or there's a power imbalance or an abuse situation, then you certainly need to go and get someone like your manager so that there is three people, someone to keep a safe environment that would encourage um, resolution to the conflict and encourage a conversation about what the issues are. And, you know, in church life, oftentimes the pastor is quite equipped to be a mediator, uh, the referee in a dispute. Uh, sometimes churches are quite large and there might be more disputes than, than the pastor can handle. This is where PeaceWise is so useful and valuable because you're training up individuals and you'd like to see someone in every local church around the country go through some training so that they can resolve these disputes. That's right. Yes, we'd like to build up peacemaking teams in every church because the past is so busy and there's conflict. Conflict's part of life. It's every day. And so if there's a, a peacemaking team within a church, people they can go to for coaching or mediation that would really free up the pastor to do what he does best. 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open. Let's hear from Margaret in South Australia. Hello, Margaret. Welcome along. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Margaret, what are your thoughts? Um, look, I just there were a couple of points I wanted to mention to you. I'm a grandmother now, but when I was at school, in high school, um, I was sent to boarding school. And the particular class that I happened to be put in an all-girls school, happened to be a very bitchy class in year eight who had what they called gangs and uh, only certain people were chosen in the gangs, etc., etc. Wow. Um, I was asked to be in one of the gangs and after a few weeks was told, no, you're too much of a bookworm, we don't want you in it. And uh, um, from then on, for the next four years, I had a very lonely life at boarding school because I couldn't go home and get rid of it. I was there at boarding school the whole time. I was rejected by the other girls. They didn't want to talk to me. I was extremely lonely. I used to cry myself to sleep. Oh, and Margaret. what I wanted to say to you is I was too humiliated to even tell the teachers what was going on and to talk about it. There were no counsellors in those days, no school counsellors. Um, and when I look back, that whole situation has had a profound effect on me. 
it damaged my sense of self-worth to the point where I thought that I was useless and hopeless. Oh, Margaret. It had an effect when I left school in that um, I married the first person who asked me because I thought that nobody else would ever ask me because I wasn't worth anything. And uh, that person a few years later turned out to be an alcoholic and violent and I had to take my two children and leave him, which has had profound effects on my children growing up as a single parent, etc., etc. Oh, Some years later, I did marry again and have been happily married now to my second husband for over 30 years. But I still see those profound impacts in the family and in my two children who were affected by their father's, their birth father's alcoholism. Margaret, do you mind if, Margaret, do you mind if I ask you about your own uh, faith? Uh, you hold uh, a Christian faith? I didn't have a Christian faith at the time. I was brought up as a Catholic, but um, I didn't know that God was real. Uh, to me, it was just theory. I didn't have a Christian faith. When you're dealing with all of that hurt and that uh, dreadful, uh, those feelings from the past, uh, yes. to know that you have that Christian faith now, has that been a, a way that you've been able to contextualise those things from your early years? Uh, can you yes. understand those things a whole lot better now? Yes, I can. I became a Christian as an adult, uh, born-again Christian as an adult in my late 20s, and I also became a teacher. And in working with my students, I began to see how God can use even those terrible things because I was very aware of lonely children in my classes. Yes. I was able to take steps yes. to help them not to be lonely and encourage other children to draw them into the circle um, but what I want to say to you was the importance of sorting out bullying issues at school when they are happening because of the long-lasting effect that it had on me. I can see the importance of sorting them out at school. You're absolutely and right. not letting them drag on and on. Nowadays, there are counsellors in school. Things like this can be sorted out much better. Yes. I, uh, my faith has helped me to come to terms with what happened and see that God uses all things for good but at the time I was living through that it was really quite terrible um, and very hard to deal with Very tough. Uh, Margaret uh, let's just hear from Elaine on uh, thoughts on what Margaret's sharing there Elaine because uh, those, those memories and those hurts from the past are very very powerful Margaret, you've encouraged me because that's another uh, example that I have of how God can work all things together for good. The fact that he hasn't wasted those experiences, that it's made you a better teacher so that you've been able to better protect your classmates and you've been your, your pupils. You've been able to watch out for the signs. And so that's a a powerful example of how God can use pain and hardship and bring good out of it in the end. And I praise God that you found him and that you've pressed in close and you've used that experience for the benefit of your pupils. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Great insights into resolving conflict this hour. Ellen Ford, one of the founders of PeaceWise, is our guest. Uh, Ellen, tell me about, uh, let's get some more uh, dot points. I know that sometimes uh, that can be just a way of just uh, glossing over things, but it's also a way that just gets a context of the direction that we go when we're in the middle of conflict, how we actually resolve that conflict. You've got uh, what you call seven A's of confession. What are they? What are those? 
Could I just say this, that conflict is resolved when there's mutual confession and forgiveness, when we understand what our part has been and we we make an apology for that and we forgive the other person for what they have done. This is after sitting down and talking it through. And and one of the, the most uh, impactful ways of resolving a conflict is to make a good apology, Neil, and we usually do that fairly badly. So we have what we call the seven A's of an apology. Look it up on our website because it's really helpful. It's important to address everyone involved. That's the first A. To avoid if, buts and maybes. That's the second A. And to uh, be specific about what you're admitting. Because if I said to you, Neil, look, I'm, I'm really sorry that I said that to you the other day, but, you know, you did get me really mad. So that's not really an apology, is it? I've sort of negated my apology by blaming it back on you, and we often do that. So the seven A's, I really recommend that you look it up on the website if you have to make an apology. Yes. <laughs> Quickly rip through the rest uh, of that So list admit specifically, acknowledge that you've hurt the other person, accept the consequences of your behavior and alter your behavior. Say to the person, look, I'd really like to change. Would you help me to to not lose my temper next time, you know. So say to the person, I'd like to alter my behavior and then ask for forgiveness. Instead of making a statement, well, I hope you forgive me, actually ask them, you know, can you find it in your heart to forgive me? That way you know whether or not you need to make a better an apology or to make amends. Uh, that ifs, buts and maybes, if we were uh, coming back to that point there, uh, if you use those words, if, but, maybe, you're actually not admitting your own faults. That's right. And the important thing here is if you've got uh, an issue between two people uh, that uh, even if one is puffed up with pride and, and arrogant and won't admit anything, but if you want to actually make some inroads into resolving that conflict, you've got to admit your own part of being yes, wrong. Yes, Even if you've only contributed to the conflict 2%, you're still 100% responsible for that 2% contribution and you can make an apology. So it's powerful. Even if you, if the other person you think has done more and yet you still apologise for your contribution to the conflict, it has a powerful impact. The thing that keeps us from resolving these conflicts is when we don't actually exercise some level of humility and admit that we have any part that's wrong. Usually we're garnering support from all sorts of other people. We're uh, building we're forming, armies. Yeah, we're building, building an army against that yes. one that we're having the conflict with. Yes. Uh, really, uh, somebody in that army who says, uh, what's your role here? What, uh, what did you do wrong? You've got to be ad- admit, ready to admit that you did something wrong. Yes, and I think we can be good friends to people who are in conflict and say, you know, would you like to follow what God says about how you deal with conflict? You know, remind them. And, you know, what what might your part have been in this? Ask good questions because that's a way to really love someone well. And as we look at the life and the teaching of Jesus, he is the example to follow when we are addressing any of these conflicts. He was in the middle of conflict greater than what any of us might ever be in. And he is the example. And he has such calmness about him, doesn't he? Because he knows God loves him. And that's what's important. And we know God loves us. So we don't need to feel hurt and offended if people throw rocks and stones at us with with words. We can say, no, God loves me. God knows this is happening. How does God want me to respond in this situation? Help me to know how to love that other person.
Alain, you've been doing a lot of travelling around. Uh, you spend a lot of your spare time. Uh, you're a busy person, a professional a barrister, a woman who, you, in fact, you travel around the country uh, representing clients in court, and you spend your spare time visiting churches and training people. Uh, what sort of response do you get from a local church when they've had one of your trainings? Well, I was just training up in Darwin last month, and it was just powerful. People were... Their lives were changed. They were weeping. They saw things for the first time. They were ringing up people they'd been estranged from and and making a 7A apology. And people's lives were changed. So it was really exciting to see relationships restored. Uh, Relationships restored. And those 7As address everyone involved, avoid if, but, and maybe, admit specifically, acknowledge the hurt, accept the consequences alter your behaviour and ask for forgiveness. Let me ask you about asking for forgiveness because we oftentimes talk about being the one who forgives, but this is a very powerful thing to actually ask for forgiveness. And it takes great humility and vulnerability. So we need to know for sure that God is with us. We need to ask his spirit to help us believe his promises so that we can humble ourselves and we can ask for forgiveness and wait patiently for that person because they may not be able to forgive you straight away. You may need to apologize again. You may need to love them, go on loving them without them forgiving you for some time, and that takes courage. Uh, The consequences of not dealing with the conflict when you have an opportunity may be that you can never deal with that conflict. A lifelong conflict is much worth avoiding, isn't it? It is, but you know, the longer we leave it, It's just like a wound festering, you know, like an infected wound. And we just don't want to ignore it, a conflict, and and put it under the carpet. There was a powerful story I was told about a lady in America who fell out with her sister when she was about 10, and they never got along. And one of the ladies came to a peacemaking seminar and realized she needed in her 50s to reconcile with her sister, rang her sister in England. They reconciled, and two weeks later, her sister in England passed away. So wasn't that wonderful that that relationship was restored before it was too late? So when you have the opportunity for that restoration, uh, for that reconciliation, you just don't want to miss it because as soon as you walk away and you've got an unresolved conflict, you don't know what's going to happen with that person who we would say would be a loved one, someone that you want to keep that relationship with forever. But if you don't deal with it right then, as you say, you may never see that person again and there might be an unresolved conflict and that person that you actually do love may well die before you actually get to resolve it. Let me just ask you about other resources on the website because uh, the website address for PeaceWise is peacewise.org.au. There's lots of diagrams. Some of us love looking at diagrams and we can see a lot in a diagram. Otherwise, there's uh, there's those dot points and we've talked about a few of those this hour. Uh, people you going can there. also subscribe to our newsletter. So please contact us through the website. There's an email address. Put you on our mailing list because we send out really helpful tips in our newsletter. And you know what? Uh, Those conflicts, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our local church, our workplace, the broader community, there are going to be conflicts there everywhere we turn. And having some uh, right tools to be able to deal with those conflicts is going to be just 
invaluable, absolutely amazing. I'll give you that Peacewise website, peacewise.org.au. Subscribe to that mailing. Get on uh, finding out how you can uh, be a peacemaker in your local church. Uh, Elaine Ford, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.